Welcome to Talk About Talk with Dr. Andrea. In this podcast, we will learn about all things communication. Listen as Dr. Andrea and the experts she interviews share their expertise. Let's do this. Let's talk about talk. Hey there. Thank you for tuning in to Talk About Talk. I am Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. This is a fun episode. We're going through the highlights of the last 12 episodes, season one. We're going to take a few weeks to regroup, and then we'll be back, ready to talk about all things communication with Season 2. When I say we, I mean me and my brother. I've told a few of you that my younger brother Brian in Edmonton has been helping a lot with Talk About Talk. Amongst many other cool things that Brian does, he's a qualified audio production engineer. He's also a musician, so when I told him about my plans for Talk About Talk, he immediately offered to help with editing and music. He wrote and produced the music and the sound effects in the trailer, and he's edited all of the episodes. He's talented, he's dedicated, and he's smart. Whenever you hear a cheeky but clever sound effect, that's Brian. He did an amazing job. Whatever. He has extremely high quality standards, and I'm so thankful for his work and influence on this project. I'm also thankful that this project has resulted in Brian and me communicating with each other way more than we ever have, possibly ever in our lives. You'll get to meet Brian and hear his voice in a few weeks when we kick off the first episode of Season 2 together. Amongst other things, we will talk about sibling communication. In the meantime, you can see Brian, read his bio, and see some photos of us together on the About page of the TalkAboutTalk.com website. This current episode the season finale, you could call it, will be jam-packed with highlights. The best of the past 12 episodes, including key learnings, things you listeners told me, bloopers, answers to a few questions that you asked, and what I personally learned through this season. You can think of it as the final lecture of the class, where the professor summarizes everything that's on the final exam. Except there is no final exam. Yay! Speaking of school, a few weeks ago, I did a short presentation about podcasting for my son's grade six English class. They're doing a unit on media studies, and one of the things they're covering is podcasting. Yes, they're even producing podcasts. Cool, right? Anyway, you gotta love the 12-year-olds. They ask the best questions, sometimes the most obvious questions. One student asked me, what's your favorite Talk About Talk interview or episode so far? Honestly, I love all of them, for different reasons, and it appears you do too. Yes, I track downloads, and the difference between the most and the least downloaded podcast is actually very minimal, but I do definitely have favorite moments from each episode. There are little anecdotes, funny, unexpected moments, like when my neighbor's loud power generator started recharging in the middle of an interview I was conducting at my dining room table, or the many times when we went off script and I really laughed out loud. And of course, there are things that resonated for me for each of the interviews. I have to say, I've learned a lot, very quickly. Sometimes, those learnings are things that I already knew. But then I hear it again in a different context, and sometimes repeatedly from various guest experts. Let me give you an example. Breathing. First, there was Bradley Christensen, the baritone opera singer, What a voice, right? 
Not surprisingly, he spoke a lot about breathing. It's a shallow breathing yeah, versus... exactly. And if it's shallow and if it's held high, you feel, and you'll probably hear it, uh, tense, tension in the neck, you know? And of course, the longer we go on like this, the more we get worried. And we, we can, of course, get to a point where we're hyperventilating or, okay, I need a breather, I need a water, I need to chill. Um, so for me, it's think of calm blue oceans, just, you know, think about that breath, low, centered. Then there's Cynthia Barlow, the executive coach and body language expert, who advises slowing down to take a deep breath. I say punch the pause button, take a deep breath. If you are in a chair, lean back. I mean, that's one of the best tips I have for communicating more effectively, is breathe. Because when we're not breathing, we're not getting oxygen. Many of you connected with me after listening to Bradley or Cynthia about how they made you more aware of your breathing and your posture. And then there's the metaphorical deep breath, as in wait 24 hours before responding to an intense situation. We heard that from Stephanie Rudnick, the founder and CEO of Elite Camps, in the context of talking to coaches. We also heard that from public relations expert Graham Harris in the context of managing corporate crises. And we heard it from Nancy Peterson, the founder and CEO of Homestars, in the context of handling negative reviews. And here's social media guru Andrew Jenkins on taking a moment before you share that social media post. Don't say or do anything on social that you wouldn't say or do to your grandmother in front of a room of 100 people. People right. get very brave and emboldened behind a keyboard. But if you were to drag them out from behind the keyboard and say, okay, now say that to my face in front of this room, well, you'd see some people kind of shy away. Oh, not of so course. brave anymore, right? Right. Oh. So breathing is just one example of something that I already knew that really came to light through the interviews. Another example of something that I learned more about from my guest experts is the significance of metacommunication and paralanguage. Of course, I did have some idea about this. This is what Talk About Talk is all about, right? It's not just the words. Well, let me back up. Your choice of words matters a lot. Here's Professor Jerry Zaltman on how important your choice of words can be. If you were shown a video of two cars banging into each other at a street in intersection, and I asked you to describe what happened at this accident site, you may not mention a lot of broken glass, if I use the word accident. But if I use the word crash, showing you the exact same film, you're going to recall the story as having a lot of broken glass. So the word accident and crash activate or suppress the presence or absence of, of, of glass. That's a little frightening, don't you think? Imagine the impact of using the word accident versus using the word crash in a court of law. Here's Graham Harris on the power of words and public relations. You're dealing with the reputation issues of a company. I've realized all throughout my career that if I say something wrong to the media and it gets published, I could knock $2 off the stock. Words are only a small portion of what we communicate. There's facial expression, vocal elements, such as tone, pitch, and cadence, and body language, including how we use our hands. Cynthia Barlow spoke a lot about how we need to be more self-aware in general, 
and specifically aware of what our hands are doing. Here's her take on Donald Trump's hands. Look at the number of times that Trump sits with his hands down in triangles right in front of his genitalia. His legs are spread and he's got his elbows on his thighs with his hands pressed together, come saw, in the steepled position. That's all unconsciously. He is giving a contradictory meta-message. One, right. this means authority. Priests do it at, the, at their desks. And uh, psychologists do it. It's not noble. It's, I know more than you. Shut up and listen. It's true. He does that hands in a steeple thing a lot, doesn't he? Beyond our body language and our hands, even the colors we wear communicate something, however implicitly. Here's decorator Jen Perkis describing how black is perceived or interpreted as privilege. Black, a color that I absolutely love. It's actually not a color, it's a hue. But to me, it's very stylish. So that is why I've always found cars, clothing, handbags, great boots, which is my passion we haven't talked about. I just find it so stylish. And I always feel like that you're already two steps ahead with black just because it's stylish. So if you've created a new, a new model of a car or, or whatever it is, a new boot, you're already two steps ahead. It's like privilege because it's easy. It's easy. You're already, you're already ahead by using it. So there is a lot to think about here in terms of metacommunication. Beyond our words, we have vocal elements, body language, our hands, the colors we wear, Sometimes this whole communication thing can be overwhelming. Thankfully, several of the Talk About Talk guest experts provided some perspectives and advice to help us. There's Andrew Jenkins, the social media guru who understands that many organizations and individuals feel overwhelmed with social media. Instead of worrying about creating a complete strategic plan for social media, here's what he suggests. To your point, some people say, well, we need to be in social, and often to, or we need a Facebook strategy. And I know I sound a bit snarky. Facebook didn't have a Facebook strategy when it first began. Speaking of social media, when I asked Dr. Josep Gonzalez if he has a particular blog or podcast that he recommends, he instead suggests that we go back to books, basic, heavy texts. There are many, okay. but I'm not going to recommend one, and I'll tell you why. I think that in, in, in the kind of society where we live, I think that because uh, our society um, leads us towards a certain shallowness of communication, uh, and sometimes social media can lead to that, um, I think that rather than recommending any of the blogs and podcasts, which I follow, I would recommend going back to basic, heavy texts. Um, for the history um, of uh, culture uh, that are going to give us, uh, you know, that, 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 that sort of food for thought yep. that are going to um, give us, you know, encourage us to, to add more and more layers uh, to our depth. Wow, that's heavy, but it is fair. And I love books too. Stephanie Rudnick also provided useful advice, particularly in encouraging parents to let their children advocate for themselves. She also encourages us to share stories of our epic failures. Listen to her tell us about when she shares stories of her epic failures with her kids. You can hear a pin drop when I talk about all my failures in my car. 
They don't want to hear about how great I was or that I won a medal. They don't want to hear that. They want to know how I lost, and they want to know when a coach yelled at me or threw a chair at me or all those fun things that happened or when my teammates were rude or not nice. Uh, they want to hear about that. That's funny. True, too. Nancy Peterson also helped us out by providing us with a list of several things to watch out for in online reviews to ensure they are valid and to help us make the right purchase decision, like checking multiple sources, looking at more recent reviews, and looking for batched reviews. Here's her general advice for us. I, I would just tell the audience that I'd be, I'd be suspicious about a company that's been around for a long time and has no reviews on the internet. doesn't matter on what source, Google, Homestars, any platform. You just have to be cautious. And I would also add that reviews aren't, you know, the only source of homework. You know, you have to do your homework and make sure that, you know, you're checking to make sure that they've got insurance if you're doing a big job. See their insurance and see, make sure you, I mean, people should never give uh, large deposits for work. Why do you need the deposit? Uh, have that breakdown and be very specific. It should be a very small under Right, you know, the under, materials that you're bringing in on day 15% one. 15% or yeah. whatever, just to get the project going, the materials, etc. Hmm. Yeah, so you just want to be you know, have your eyes open and always, if, if something it seems off, it's off. Check into it. If you're getting funny vibes from a, a company, then, you know, just pause. And there's Michael Boydell, who outlines several exercises to help us reimagine our ideal personal brand. Here he is describing just one of these powerful exercises. I do believe that personal brand is as much about how we show up to the world as it is about the definition that we put on it. So if one is at that kind of career crossroads point, going out and asking people, as opposed to sitting and defining yourself, if you had three words to describe who I am, what would those three words be? It's an awesome exercise. <laughs> And you ask customers and you ask clients and you ask peers, don't just ask your friends. Don't just ask the people that are you know, in your corner supporting you. Ask a true sample. What are the three words that really rise to the surface? You know what? There are so many actionable learnings here that I could go on and on. Instead, I'm going to summarize the top three key learnings for each of the episodes in the show notes. If you haven't checked out the show notes yet, they're on the talkabouttalk.com website under the podcast tab. There are show notes for this episode there, as well as for each of the previous episodes. You can access them either by clicking on a specific podcast, like this one, episode number 13, or by scrolling down on the podcast page. You'll also see the show notes there, listed separately as PDF documents. I was thrilled over the past few months when many of you reached out to me telling me something that you learned from Talk About Talk, something you do differently now because of what you learned on Talk About Talk. For example, in the episode where I described my research, I provided you with some suggestions for how to word your request for recommendations from your friends. There are certain ways to word your questions so that the response is less biased. Like if you're asking for suggestions about what car to buy or something like that. A few of you said you tried it and it worked. Many of you also admitted that, like me, you hadn't heard of Vocal Fry before you listened to the Using Your Voice podcast with Bradley Christensen. You know, that voice that seems trendy amongst teenage and 20-something girls in particular, that sounds like this and fries your vocal cords? Well, don't do it. It can cause damage. 
<clears throat> By the way, one of the Talk About Talk listeners told me that she wants to hire Bradley as a vocal coach for her child. I love that. Several of you also told me that after listening to Dr. Gonzalez, the head of school at TFS, that you would love to send your children to a school run by someone as enlightened as him. And after hearing Daryl Aiken, the advertising executive turned fabric store owner, a few of you told me that you plan to go and check out her store. One listener wrote me an email and shared the story about how, after hearing Nancy Peterson of Homestars share her advice on how to handle home service providers, she got the nerve up to fire her absentee snow removal service and she successfully negotiated a refund. Yay! Thank you, Nancy, and thank you, Homestars. All of the guest experts also inspired me. There's Nancy Peterson again, who implicitly inspired me to be more empathetic to service providers. They are just human, she reminds us. Oh yeah, right. I forgot. <laughs> There's Harvard professor Jerry Zaltman, who inspired us in so many ways, particularly, though, in terms of being conscious and mindful of our thoughts. I think so much of how we think is largely unconscious, and we're only aware of the product that is what we think when we're actively reflecting or speaking, uh, talking about what we think. And that's a little late in the game <laughs> to be exercising quality control over the content of thought. As Jerry says, we need to focus less on what we're thinking and more on how we're thinking. Here's Daryl Aiken, who inspires us all to do something creative every day. Well, you know, if you imagine the absence of creativity, how horrible, <laughs> like, that's just unimaginable. You know, nothing would ever change. Nothing would, nothing would be tested. Nothing would be yeah. modified. So there's at a societal level, or, yeah, right? Yeah. We would, we would forego innovation and evolution. Yeah, I think what it, about it, at an individual level, psychologically, emotionally? Whatever. Well, I do. I actually say, I think on my website that I, I believe we should all do something creative every day. I, I think it's easier to sleep if you've done something creative that day. Um, and it doesn't have to be in a traditional sense of creativity, you know, sitting down at a sewing machine. It doesn't have to no, be. No, no, not in any way. No, it can, you know, I think we, we can, we can apply, um, novel ways of doing things to almost anything we take on, you know? Um, but I, but I, I have a pretty broad definition for creativity, but I do think it, it's important that you exercise that muscle. Um, so because it makes you sleep better? Yeah, and I think it also stimulates other things in your life. And here's photographer Lori Ryerson, who inspired us all to just go out and learn. Amen, sister. I encourage people to learn. I encourage people to do things that are out of their norm. If you're someone who works in an office, which I did for 30-something years, then I encourage you to get out of that office and go to the ballet or go see some experimental theater or go jump in puddles or learn to do hip-hop or take something that really 
is is not something that you have the faintest idea and learn more about it. Uh, take someone who is afraid of heights and teach her how to do flying trapeze. So why? <laughs> not why trapeze, but why learn to either consume or produce art? Jay Maisel, who is a, a very brilliant photographer, um, and people quote this one quote of his all the time, is if you want to make more interesting photographs, be a more interesting person. Looking back at all of the episodes, I noticed that a few common pop culture references kept popping up. Four in particular. There's the movie The Matrix. I think it came up at least three times in conversation. There's Colin Kaepernick, the football player, and the Nike advertising campaign. That also came up a few times. And of course, there were many references to Harvey Weinstein and the Me Too movement. The fourth pop culture reference is the elephant in the room, Donald Trump. There were many, many references to Donald Trump. I never brought him up, but the guest experts did. In fact, whether explicit or implicit, I would say he came up in almost all of the interviews. Here's Cynthia Barlow's take on Trump. He is a scared little boy. He is a frightened child caught in a corner and doesn't even know where to turn. And we are seeing the effects of that. So unfortunately, communication, he's a con man. He can't help what he's doing, but trust your instincts when you're listening to him. Professor Jerry Zaltman didn't mention Trump by name, but when I asked Jerry about his new book, listen to what he said. It didn't start out as a book. Uh, per se. I didn't plan to write this book. The way it began is about two, three years ago, I began to worry a lot about the information world that my grandkids were growing up in, uh, a world that we now call fake news or a period of truth decay, especially a period of time where opinion seems to determine fact, what we accept as a fact, as opposed to a fact determining what our opinions might be. Fake news and truth decay? Hmm. Don't you just love that Jerry decided to do something about that instead of just complaining about it? No, he wrote a book. Dr. Gonzalez never named the politician south of the border, not even once. But implicitly, the message was very clear. Listen to this. Language is a vehicle for democracy. A vehicle for democracy. Democracy. So if we ensure um, that we all become more sophisticated from the point of view of our mastery of our own language, and perhaps also, little by little, learn other languages, it means that all of us become more sophisticated in our thinking, and therefore democracy is truer. Democracy is more authentic because we can go beyond populist um, sort of debates into more substantial and profound debates. So I see language as a vehicle for true democracy, um, and that's something that we should all aim at, because otherwise, democracy if democracy is only voting every four years, mm -hmm. um, then how deep is it? Right. Um, I think we need to go further than that and enable, empower everyone to be able to be part of the construction of our future okay. by being able to enter um, in this kind of complex dialogue 
complex dialogue in terms of gender, complex dialogue um, in terms of the environment, complex dialogue in terms of rights, in terms of responsibilities. It's all extremely complex and we cannot discuss that without language. We can express emotions without language, we can love without language, but we cannot express um, all of those very serious um, topics that will construct our future without sophistication of language. So for me, I repeat, language is the vehicle for authentic democracy. That was an intense moment. Inspiring, but intense. We also had some lighter moments in this first season. For those of you who listen to baritone opera singer Bradley Christensen, you know that he recommends focusing on your inner smile. The inner smile makes your voice sound better, and it makes you feel better. Certainly, smiling outwardly and laughing out loud is contagious and fun. I remember after interviewing Graham Harris, the public relations expert, for 90 minutes at my dining room table, my face hurt. I realized that was because I was smiling the entire time. Who knew that public relations could be so much fun? Well, trust me, it was. Here he is at the very end of our interview, still smiling and advocating for truth. The best possible situation for a PR person is the truth because the truth can't lie. The truth protects you, and the truth uh, is what you really want in the marketplace. So I heard recently that the truth is just so much more easy to keep track of. And that too. <laughs> Jen Perkis is the decorator that I interviewed for two different episodes, one on color and one on creativity. Jen is one of those smart, talented, and funny people who could have a successful career doing just about anything. But she says she was born to be a decorator. In the interview, she described how, as a teenager, she constantly redecorated her bedroom for every holiday and for every season. And how one year she finally convinced her parents to let her paint her room black. And in grade 10, she started relentlessly pursuing a career where she could be creative. And how now she looks at her teenage sons playing video games and she cringes. Of course, she shares this in a very clever, very funny way by grade 10 that I needed a career that was creative. It helped me refocus my entire high school career. And I thank God because I realized that as soon as I could articulate in my mind that creativity in whatever form was so important to me, I, I worry that I look at my kids and I'm like, do you really know what makes you happy? Surely, surely Fortnite doesn't make you happy. It scratches an itch, right? You know, surely, surely watching YouTube videos does nothing more than scratch an itch. That is hilarious. Can't you imagine Jen talking to her kids about Fortnite scratching an itch? How about when photographer Lori Ryerson was sitting at my dining room table declaring how much she hates the color beige? By the way, the walls on my main floor are all beige. Here's Lori. If you look at a number of my photographs from a winter trip to Iceland, you will see a whole bunch of gray in there, but it works. It works. But that's not beige. Beige <laughs> is in a category by itself and really should be illegal. It shouldn't even be allowed to be called color. Beige is an absence of, it's a black hole of colors. <laughs> Beige is the black hole of color. I love it. Beige is the anti-color. Lori is hilarious. She even trolled me on social media about that. Then there's when I interviewed Dr. Giuseppe Gonzalez. 
Dr. Gonzalez is a polyglot. He speaks five languages fluently and is proficient in others, including Latin. He advocates learning languages for the reasons we've all heard, like more job opportunities, exercising our brains, etc. But he also says that learning another language makes people more sophisticated thinkers. Wait, what? But I only know one language, and he knows that. Listen to this. I would say that by being bilingual or trilingual or multilingual, what happens is that you add another layer of complexity, which makes you more sophisticated as a thinker, uh, because then you have to think. Did you hear that? That was a smackdown. <laughs> <laughs> I only know one language. He knows five plus. Oh, no. <laughs> I was seriously laughing so hard at that moment. And of course, Dr. Gonzalez was very gracious. Sometimes... Something happens during an interview that's only funny in retrospect. Like when I was interviewing Stephanie Rudnick on the cold, filthy floor at the end of a high school hallway. Stephanie and I were sitting on either side of my mic and recorder and talking very intensely. It wasn't until he was only a few feet away that I noticed the school janitor quietly walking towards us. He respectfully asked us if we were okay and then asked if we were having a therapy session. What? That's pretty funny. But at the time, we were talking so intensely that we didn't even pay him much attention. It wasn't until afterwards that I said to Stephanie, did that really happen? Of course, there were all sorts of other bloopers that got edited out of the interviews. Like when I was interviewing and recording Dr. Gonzalez in his office at TFS, there was a siren going by and it must have been a helicopter flying by. Then there are all the interviews we did at my house. I live on a relatively quiet street, but while interviewing other guest experts at my dining room table, fire engines drove by my front window, my neighbor's generator started charging, my other neighbor had loud construction work going on, the doorbell rang when Amazon parcels were delivered, and yes, we forgot to mute our cell phones. Thank goodness these interviews weren't live. Sorry, I think I can hear the microwave downstairs. There was one blooper. We can call it a technical difficult... There was one blooper, we'll call it a technical difficulty, in the weekly email blog. This particular blog focused on social media and the Grammys. I'd done a ton of research, and as I always do, I embedded many links so that readers can dig in to learn more. It's always a bit scary for me to hit send for the email blog. It's even scarier when, a few minutes later, I receive an email from my brother Brian saying, Hey, none of the links are working. I sent it to my friend, and he says the same thing. What? It took several hours to figure out the glitch. We fixed it and decided to resend it as soon as possible with an apology. Kind of ironic for a blog focused on communication, don't you think? There was also one blooper on the website that's been fixed. Maybe less of a blooper and more of an omission. If you go to the About page, there's a headshot of me and a short bio. Then there's a headshot of Brian and his short bio. Then there's a row of photographs of us together, ranging from 40 years ago until now. We didn't mention anywhere that we are siblings. Oops. One day, someone asked me, who the heck is Brian? That's not your husband, is it? No! Oh my gosh, no! Yowza! Needless to say, I quickly changed that to clarify, we are siblings. My favorite blooper of the season is one that I'm excited to share with you now. At the time, I didn't think it was a blooper. In fact, I thought it was fantastic material. I was interviewing baritone opera singer Bradley Christensen, 
and we were talking about how Pavarotti can hold a note for over a minute. I asked Bradley how long he could hold a note and eventually convinced him to hold a note for us for 10 seconds. Anything beyond that could temporarily damage his voice. But Bradley was a great sport. He stood up and belted out an amazing sound. But alas, my recording equipment was not built for recording an opera. So his voice got distorted. Guess what? I'm going to play it for you now. So hold on to your earbuds. Here it is. Wow. It was about 10 seconds. That was 10 seconds. Your face isn't even red. Yeah. You're a pro. (laughs) Personally, I still think Bradley sounds phenomenal. I'm not sure how it sounded on your end. Let me know. I loved hearing from many of you who reached out over the past few months with suggestions and comments and questions. I hope that communication will happen even more in the future. Yes, I do read everything, and I do respond personally. Someday, maybe when we have a million followers, that will be a different story. But for now, I would love to talk. Several of you asked whether the interview with Stephanie really was on the cold, filthy floor of a high school corridor. As I said, yes, it was. I wish we'd taken a photo, though. Maybe we should have paused and asked that janitor to take our picture. Many of you also asked where I do the interviews and my own recording. Well, it varies. I did a few interviews using Skype and Call Recorder. That was Professor Jerry Zaltman in Boston and Executive Coach Michael Boydell. I also did a few interviews in people's offices, including Josep Gonzalez and a few that I have already recorded for Season 2. Most of the interviews were conducted at my dining room table on the main floor of my house. For most episodes, I also recorded an introduction and a conclusion with just me on the mic. You'll never guess where I record these. Can you guess? I record myself in my walk-in closet. It's a small walk-in. Actually, I'm here right now. And there's lots of clothing jammed in here. I really need to tidy it up so I can take a photo of it for the show notes and you can take a look. Why would I record myself in here, though? Well, there are two reasons. First, it's in the middle of the top floor of my house, so it's insulated from the sirens and the construction and all the leaf blowers outside. And secondly, all of the fabric in my closet works perfectly to absorb extraneous sound. It's kind of like a sound production studio. So I have a routine now. First, I go around the house and I turn everything off. I turn off the furnace or the air conditioner. I turn off all the fans. I unplug the carbon monoxide detector in my room. Then I bring a glass of water, my script, my mic and recorder, all into the closet. I close the door. I set everything up on a shelf, and I press record. The funny thing is, when I'm recording, I kind of feel like I'm talking to my brother Brian. I tell him stuff. Hey Brian, how's it going? Once I get going, though, I feel like I'm talking to all of you. Yes, it is a weird, unique, but amazingly enjoyable experience. Oh, a few times when I was all done recording... I forgot to turn the furnace back on in my house. Oops. My family's on high alert now for temperature changes. They go straight to the thermostat, and they always know who the culprit is. Now, I want to close by sharing with you my personal top two learnings from this experience. In learning to podcast, and in producing the 12 episodes for season one of Talk About Talk. First, I learned that this is way more work and way more fun than I anticipated. I knew it would be a lot of work, 
but I underestimated the number of hours it takes to do research, to write scripts, to record interviews, to edit interviews, to prepare transcripts and show notes, to write weekly blogs, to update the website with fresh material, and to do all the social media. Phew! Hopefully someday soon, I will have a sponsor so I can hire some people to help me with all this stuff. I really want to focus on the research and the interviews. In the meantime, there's a lot of work here to keep me out of trouble. Thankfully, it's also way more fun than I imagined. I'm thinking that's because I love to learn and I love engaging conversations. The second thing I learned is the true value and impact that the support of people around you can make. First and foremost, my brother Brian. I thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I can't wait to see what we do next. Then there's my immediate family, who has put up with me constantly on my laptop, day and night, weekdays and weekends. And the shushing when I head into my closet to record, and forgetting to turn the furnace back on. I thank you for your patience and your support. There's also the Podcast Fellowship Facebook group that I check in with a few times a week. David, Maria, Morgan, Gabrielle, I could go on and on. I continue to learn from you, and I thank you for your support and encouragement, especially you, David. Then there are the many friends who have supported me on this journey. They've supported me by calling and emailing me with suggestions and compliments, by sharing my social media posts and recommending the email blog to others, by suggesting new topics and guest experts for future episodes, and by generally talking up Talk About Talk. I heard over and over again from the beginning that you cannot count on friends and families to help you build your business. You should think of anything they do to help you as a bonus. Well, I certainly do, and I appreciate you very much. Last but not least, there are the 12 impressive guest experts that took time out of their very busy schedules to let me interview them. You all floored me with your passion and your expertise. I was thrilled to reconnect with several people whom I haven't spoken with in years. Talk About Talk served as a catalyst for me to call my favorite professor, Jerry Zaltman, in Boston and reconnect with him. Similarly, if it wasn't for Talk About Talk, I wouldn't have had an excuse to reconnect with Daryl Aiken, the ad exec turned fabric store owner, and Nancy Peterson, the founder and CEO of Homestars. I used to work with both Daryl and Nancy eons ago, and I always thought so highly of each of them. It was wonderful to reconnect with them and be reminded of why I respect them both so very much. Andrew, Bradley, Cynthia, Graham, Jen, Josep, Lori, Michael, and Stephanie. I am honored that you all trusted me and that you took the time to share your passion and expertise with me and the Talk About Talk listeners. And frankly, I feel blessed. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. So there you go my two meta-learnings from this experience. There's the fact that this is way more work and way more fun than I imagined. And more importantly, there's the incredible impact and support of the people around me. As you can correctly gauge, I love this gig. Brian and I are taking a short hiatus, just a few weeks, then we'll be back with season two. I've already started a few interviews and I'll be doing lots more over these next few weeks. I can tell you one thing, We are in for some amazing talk about talk. Here's a sneak peek. One of the topics we will cover in season two, artificial intelligence. I'm thinking the title for this episode could be something like Talking with Siri and Alexa, Communications and Artificial Intelligence. That reminds me, try this. 
say, hey, Siri, subscribe to the Talk About Talk podcast. Bam, done. Pretty cool, right? If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Talk About Talk podcast, whether you're on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever. You can even listen to it on the talkabouttalk.com website. All you have to do is click subscribe. If you subscribe, you won't miss the first episode for season two when it starts up again in a few weeks. One last ask. I would love it if you would sign up for the Talk About Talk email blog. It's free, it's weekly, and it's short. Mostly, it's an email full of exclusive communication-focused content that I think is worth thinking and talking about. I promise you'll enjoy it. And if not, you can unsubscribe anytime. Just go to Talk About Talk and click on the blog tab to sign up. I always fill up the email blog with links to more information. In case you're like me and you want to learn even more, I really hope you'll sign up. Okay, that's it. So take care and we will talk soon.